Welcome to Seymour. I'm your host, Juan Gonzalez, and uh, welcome to our pilot episode. It's finally here, and I'm really excited to just get started. The more I watch stuff, the more I'm realizing how integral these like components of a film are, right? Cinematography, score, script. And I say that out loud, and it's like, oh, duh. But how are you know, what those techniques do to us on like a subconscious level and how our brain kind of takes that information in and then like goes through, you know, a hundred different filters and then ultimately decides whether or not we like like it or not is super interesting to me. And I hope that I touch on just picking one component, you know, whatever tool the director used to, to help elevate that film or that TV show. And I could talk about this stuff for hours, but I want to get to the segment. So, Phantom Thread. Here we go. All right. Yeah, I'm here with. Uh, wait, what do you what do you want me to call you? You can just call me my name. Oh yeah, Joao <laughs> Gonzalez. Uh, I well, I say that because you're doing like a music thing. Yeah, I've been doing this music thing for a little while now. Yeah. And uh, I, for some reason, go by a different name, which makes things so confusing. For me, now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, well, we can say soft glass, right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, But you're also, not a lot of people know this, you're a huge movie buff. Yeah, and I'm a huge fan of this show from the beginning. Thank you. Yeah, that yeah, teaser was killer. I've, I've been here from the jump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so thank you for flying flying out here to Brooklyn, New York. Yep. And coming over to stay with me. Um it's been great. Yeah, the guys upstairs really uh we got big pockets. The studio heads. Really uh <laughs> they're just flying your guests out, all yeah, expenses paid. That's right. Um but we're talking about and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but your favorite film of twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. Has Phantom it been Thread. that long already? Damn. Yeah, this movie, it's a movie about love, really. And I think that's, for someone coming coming into it, we should probably preface it. No spoilers. Right. Because if you haven't seen it, it's still very powerful to not know anything going in. Because it is very much so. Like, the movie changes once you finish it. So, yeah, we, we'll do our best not to spoil anything. Yeah. We might spoil the, the score a little bit. We'll do our best to sing because we can't copyright per- like we can't <laughs> right. actually play it, but we can maybe sing. We know all the, the parts by heart yeah. at this point. We'll harmonize how much we've listened to it. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh what the movie's about and which sure. I guess it's that would be my job as the, the host, host, you would think <laughs> you would but think. I'm doing things a little differently. Right, right. you don't want to do all the heavy lifting. You yeah. Wanna- <laughs> I want to make it a point episode 1 straight from the make my guest as uncomfortable as possible. So you can go ahead and explain. All right, yeah, man. I'll <laughs> throw you right into the fire. All right, yeah. So the movie is basically about this relationship between these two people. Um, one of them being Reynolds Woodcock, who's played by Daniel Day-Lewis in apparently his last role ever, according yeah, well, to him. Yeah. Um, which is crazy. He is one of the greatest, if not the greatest actor living right now, but... Vicky Krebs plays opposite of him as Alma. Yeah. Is her name in the film and it's really basically about their their relationship. He's a fashion designer. He has a fashion house uh in the 50s, I believe, in London and uh 
she moves in with him, becomes his muse, and it's the story of how that relationship kind of unfolds, considering that he goes about his work in a very specific way. And she's just kind of being exposed to all of this for the first time. And that's it. I, I don't really want to say much else, but that's basically... Yeah, you did a great it. job of of explaining that without spoiling anything. And um, and having no notes in front of me. Yes. Off the dome. We have very few notes in front of us. <laughs> I only have Spotify pulled up with the score and I can't play anything yeah. because of copywriting. But maybe I could... Just to remember some of the title names um but i mean that's the that's the kind of show this is kicking back we're literally on a couch yeah i like it man it's very uh, chill vibes yeah yeah chill (laughs) chill (laughs) Chill vibes vibes. bro (laughs) it's uh yeah i've got the salt lamp on feeling very four uh, candles in here yeah well i had to set the atmosphere because this isn't just any regular score this score Mm -hmm. makes me feel very luxurious very grand and yet very it's a very personal score and it's very just like very honest and and simple in its intention yeah i feel and uh yeah i mean it was like easily my favorite piece of music to come out that year like album in general to come out that year yeah i agree with that and i just i remember playing it there was a period where I was playing it all day, every single day. When I would go like cook or something or do the dishes or take a shower or walk to the corner store. Like it was just the soundtrack to my everyday life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's super. I mean, I, I flew back before the new year um, back to my apartment here and I had the apartment to myself for like a week. And my routine was I got this huge fake fur coat from like the thrift shop. My routine was wake up every morning, like throw that thing on with like just my boxers on, (laughs) make a cup of tea and just like blast that score. And I think that's very telling of like what Johnny Greenwood accomplished with that score. Yeah. Because that goes very much in line with like Daniel Day-Lewis's character in that film's like how tidy and neat he is. Like Mm. that score does a great job of capturing his almost like OCD. Mm. And I... I wrote this down. I think it like borders the line between like creepy, cozy, and beautiful, and all of those things make it feel very honest. Yeah. And honesty is a huge theme in the movie, right? Yeah, for sure. Just, and it also feels very tactile. A lot of the classic films throughout history have had also incredible scores that are not only iconic but almost like necessary yeah. to the film. You know, and like. They serve a purpose beyond just telling you what to feel from scene to scene. Right. It's almost like a character in itself. And there's like, I mean, obviously there's themes for each character. Usually in in a good score, they'll have, there's a theme for a character or a theme for a place or whatever. So I think this score does all of that where you get a sense of who the characters are through the music. You get a sense of the place that they inhabit through the music you get a place you get a sense of the the overall i hate to use like vibe right yeah but you do you you get a sense like immediately as soon as the movie starts and i think house of woodcock is like the first song you hear in the movie in like the very first like five seconds like you're you are immediately transported into the world and you understand 
the world that you're going to inhabit just through the music. And you feel like you've lived at that house with them. Like it helps like, not like move the time along, but you feel like by the end of the movie, you've lived there. Yeah. And I just love the, so the score is uh, written by Johnny Greenwood. Yeah. Who is the guitarist and kind of like co-brain of uh, Radiohead. And I think it's awesome how I'm, I'm pretty sure, again, no notes, but I'm pretty sure Paul Thomas Anderson was just a big fan of Radiohead and um, reached out to Johnny Greenwood. I know Johnny Greenwood did the score for No Country for Old Men. No, uh, there will, there be, will blood. be blood. Yeah. <laughs> well, those two went head God. to head. Uh, yeah. yeah. There will be blood. Um, and which was like completely opposite of this score. That score was like, all percussive like really abstract oh yeah and then this one is like the opposite it's like melodic and beautiful um yeah by the way this is why i make the guest say this because so i don't look like an idiot and i say (laughs) (laughs) no country for old men (laughs) this is exactly why i like you get to retain your your cinephile card i've lost it dude after this episode I've oh yeah yeah well i probably won't cut that out just because I, I like the joke I made immediately after that, which really puts you in a t- <laughs> I can't show my face at any Oscar party ever again. Yeah. No country for old men. But that's a great, that's a great point that um, this is the complete opposite of There Will Be Blood. And it's very calculated and very, again, like grandiose. Like how yeah. just so many instruments. And he recorded all of this in like a church, right? I'm not sure, dude. But I do know that they use, so the, the same piano that they used for the score. I'm pretty sure it's Johnny Greenwood's piano and it's the same one that they used for Radiohead's most recent album, Moonshape Pool. Yeah. And so like it's and it's kind of crazy to hear those things kind of cross over because there are like you do hear a lot of Radiohead's like complexity in the chords in the score. Yeah. Which is really interesting because you hear these chords I don't know how to. I don't want to sound too heady or too like music. No, oriented. I, that's but, why you're on this episode because you know a thing or two about music. And the, I mean, yeah, they're just like a lot of the chords are very like darker chords, extended chords, like seventh chords and ninth, which you don't really hear a lot in movie scores. Um, yeah, I know. For example, like the score that Nicholas Patel did for Beale Street, if Beale Street could talk very similar in the way it feels and like kind of the musical ideas presented. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's just like, it's just really cool to hear like Johnny Greenwood kind of express himself with this context with like an orchestra, Yeah, you know, it's just such a perfect score in my eyes. Cause we always talk about how a good score can elevate a movie. Yeah. Right. From like, either good to great or great to like all-time favorite. And I think that's what this score did for me. Because I feel like if it was a different score, I don't know if I would have liked, or I don't know if the movie would have impacted me as much. I know it wouldn't have. Yeah. And not to say that a different score couldn't be as, but a score of this caliber in in how dynamic it is and how many emotions it evokes, like how just how layered it is. Like not to say no one else could have done Oh, for sure. Done a great job on it. But you're absolutely right. A mediocre score on this movie. Suddenly, it just like pfft, everything just kind of, you lose a lot of that emotional weight mm-hmm. 
or even a different score, right? Like, yeah. even if one just as good, but just different, I think the scenes would be interpreted differently. Because I know you were telling me, like, for example, what's one of the scenes that you think the music completely, like, defined the scene for you? Without getting into spoilers, there's a moment where Daniel Day-Lewis's character confronts a person or a, of his, confronts his past. Yeah. Um, and a relationship from his past in some manifestation. I think that's the first time that the score suddenly, like, it, it changed mm-hmm. while staying co- cohesive. It, it was like, it just went down to its, like, barest, most, like, honest and, uh, what's the word I'm looking vulnerable. for? Vulnerable. Yeah. Form. And that's it was a just, like, great point, dude. Yeah. absolutely beautiful. You know what the score does? It stands up on its own. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't even think, I recommend listen to it for the first time while watching the movie. But after that, you can just listen to the score. And it's, it has a great beginning, middle, and end. Mm-hmm. And it flows like an album. It doesn't stay high too long. It doesn't stay low too long. It, it's the, one of the best atmospheric like, pieces of content that I've ever experienced in my you know, short, inexperienced life. Yeah. A lot of scores, because they're written to film, they don't necessarily translate as albums. Right. And it's not the scores. I'm not trying to, you know, talk down to other... But this one, there's just something about how... Well, I don't even know if that was intentional, but it just, you know, maybe that's a credit to the way the movie's written. And it it's just so symbiotic with yeah. the film and the costume design and the set design. Right. It really does a great job it really does its part yeah and i mean to to your point about it translating as an album again johnny greenwood is used to making albums right. with radiohead you know he knows how to make an album and i'm sure that that carries over when making a score i'm sure he wanted it to also function as an album yeah i don't know him personally i would love to know him personally but i would imagine that that's like something that he brought to the table and to your other point about kind of the music being symbiotic with the film, I think that that's prevalent like as soon as the movie starts. Like the first, the very first shot of the movie, I think within five seconds or within a minute, we get the very first piece of the score. Yeah. Which is House of Woodcock. And it's perfect. It like introduces you to the character it introduces you to the world. It introduces you to the tone of the film, which is something we haven't talked about yet, which is like how important a film score is to setting a tone. Yeah. If you have a film score that sounds like a generic film score and it does nothing to define the tone of a movie, it just like, it's just one less opportunity for the movie to have an identity. Yep. You know, and so if you have a film score that has a very specific tone that's unique to that film, that's just like one more advantage that that film has to kind of stand out in your mind. Because I know when I got home from watching a film, if I really enjoyed the score and it's kind of like stuck in my head, that's just more time that that movie will stick with me. Yeah. The music elevates the cinematography. Oh, yeah. And the cinematography elevates the acting. And the acting, you know, the, the the performances because of the perspective that we're seeing. And it's yeah. just like, I feel like it does more than just 
it's part it elevates all of the other aspects of the film and i know that that's what it's supposed to do but this film literally the score literally does that and this is a great example of that in how much it sounds like the movie looks yeah dude that is so spot on it is so texture like you could feel the music sounds like the film looks and the film looks the way the music sounds which leads me to believe Johnny Greenwood was on board before they shot this thing. Right. Or the vision was just presented so clearly to him. Yeah, that, I think like, that's a good point. That he just immediately, like Paul Thomas Anderson must have, and they, well, they've worked together before, right? Yeah. So they probably know how each other's mind works. But it's both of these, both the film and the score, it's completely different than There Will Be Blood the last time they worked together, yeah. I believe. So there, there must have been that communication must have been crystal clear, and they must have yeah. like known immediately what think, they wanted out of, out of each other. Right. I think that also comes from like what you said. It must have been so such a focused vision, and I'm sure it helps that Paul Thomas Anderson wrote it, directed it, and shot it. Right. You know, and so it's like coming from such a undiluted source. You know, it's like one brain from beginning to end and then i'm pretty sure i read that johnny greenwood was writing the score while on tour because they had just i'm pretty sure they had just released a moonshape pool this is somebody's life's work yeah to do this and to you know to make a score like this and to tour an album which they did yeah um also quick another like side bit of like cool trivia apparently uh the radiohead song daydreaming yeah it's that video is directed by paul thomas anderson so paul thomas anderson directed that video and while directing that video and shooting that video he was testing out techniques of like how to capture light and different like lenses that's and right. different film stock for phantom thread yeah um oh i've got a couple of fun sort of rapid fire questions for you so i can embarrass myself some yes more. absolutely <laughs> <laughs> there will be blood. Uh, no country <laughs> no. for men. Um, top three places, physical locations where you listen, where you've listened to the score most. Oh, all right. Shower. Yeah, there was like a period of like six months where I listened to the score every single time I showered. Um, my studio. Yeah, while I was writing emails or just working or just hanging out in my studio that was always going on that was always playing in the background and the train it was just like anytime i commuted anywhere i would just listen to it while i'm on the subway interesting it's weird man it's like it's a score that i always listen to actively but also passively so like i would listen to it to listen to it and then i would also listen to it to have music playing in the background of anything right like whatever i was doing right Another one, I know it's tough, but can you name your top three favorite tracks? Hmm. They don't have to be your favorite, just whatever you're feeling right now. All right, House of Woodcock, for sure, which is like the main theme. Uh, Sandalwood? That's a good one. And I'm going off the the top of the head. I know you have it open, I'm trying to like not look over there. Yeah. Because I'm really trying to just remember off the top of my head. And... um, Ooh, um, a tie between Ama and 
superstitions i think it's called superstition can you check can you fact check let's see let's fact check it is called not that it's not called superstition wait is it not oh, oh yeah endless, endless superstition endless superstition yeah all right so yeah it's close enough yeah yeah okay last one i guess this one's a little less like what would you how do you picture yourself best dressed to listen to this album Wow. Yeah, at your most comfortable. That's funny, dude. That's really funny. And I don't mean to bring this up as like self-promotion in any way. But during my time of like listening to this every day, there was like a really cold day that I was just like dressed in like a big hoodie and sweatpants and like thick fuzzy socks. And I had my hoodie up and I ended up recording this like stupid video of me dancing to... I'm pretty sure it was House of Woodcock. And uh, I like posted it on Twitter and it like got the, the most ridiculous traction of like just people finding it hilarious to the point where I met someone recently and they were like, hey, I think I recognize you from something. And I thought he was talking about like my music and I was like, right. oh my God, thank you so much. He's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw a Twitter video of you dancing to the Phantom Threat score. Oh, that's great. And so I'll forever link this score to like a big massive hoodie with like sweatpants and fuzzy socks yeah which i think is fitting because it is like you feel comfortable listening to it for as creepy as it can be it's a very comforting score i think there's like this warmth to the way that everything sounds you know so yeah just something super comfy perfect dude thanks for being on bro this is i told you i'm a big fan yeah honestly it's impressive too because i haven't done anything <laughs> all jokes aside dude i'm really this is like awesome i i love talking about the stuff and i think that having a space to talk about things that we like and being positive about things and just enthusiastic about things instead of just constantly having that reflex to criticize i think that it's so important to have this, yeah this something like this so and hopefully you. accessible to right. people who you know you don't I hope we, you know, anyone can just listen to this and be like, we didn't get into the minutia of like which notes he played when. Like it's, yeah, it's I'm music. I'm pretty sure I did that in this episode. <laughs> no, you did it in a great way. It, it sounds good. It's great. It elevates the film. Where can people find you online? Um, Soft Glass, S-O-F-T-S-O, wait. I just S O F F L S O F T G L A S soft glass with one S. All right, who are we kidding? All right, this is this isn't going to help you get any. Well, I actually need you to retweet this video, so if you can you can find me. Juan, where where can we find you? Bro? I need. Where can we find this podcast? This podcast, uh, you can find it. Uh, I'll record the tag separately. I'll put it after this because I'm sure that's a whole nice. That's a whole another thing. But yeah. Cool. But, dude, thanks so much for being on. Thanks for having me, dude. All right, love you, man. Love you too, dude. Oh, yeah. Wait. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're brothers. I don't oh, know. yeah, we didn't even say that. No, yeah, we, we didn't say any of that. We are, in fact, brothers. Yeah. Have been our whole lives. Yeah, to our knowledge. Right. Who knows? You know the deal. Hopefully, uh, this episode performs well. The suits upstairs can pick it up. Those suits are my very good friends, uh, Jack and Kev, who started Cesspool Network. 
got a number of different shows. This is one of them. And I'm really excited to just get started. Um, I'm going to be ironing out the kinks as we go. Learn a lot about the show as we go along. I mean, I'll start unraveling these little like wacky segments. And hopefully you get something out of this show. Because just you listening to the show, I mean, I'm definitely, I'm going to get just as much, if not more, out of it from just doing this. And for that, I thank you. All right, that was this week's episode of Seymour. If you like what you heard, subscribe. Uh, that would be greatly appreciated. If you want to hear more podcasts from Cesspool, you can follow us at Cesspool Network. We've got a website. We're legit. Cesspoolnetwork.com. And if you want to follow me personally, you can follow my letterbox at Juan Gonzalez. That's J-O-A-N Gonzalez with two Zs. Or on Twitter at Juan underscore chirps. Or on Instagram if you want to see my face at Juan underscore snaps. I hope you enjoyed the show. I'll see you next week.